0: You found the Out of the Ordinary podcast. Welcome. I'm Lisa Joe Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And this is the place where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. As usual, we are recording here at Christy's 100 year old farmhouse called Maplehurst, where we enjoy the fine smell of mushroom farms in the distance and an opportunity <laughs> to catch up in person. A few of my very favorite things are a pool of sunshine on a warm wooden floor ice cream sundays and carpool
1: karaoke lisa joe i love flowers i grew myself reading a book with a kid on my lap and picnics under a spreading tree. We also
0: really love you guys. We love this community and we love the chance every Wednesday to pop into your earbuds and spend the day with you. Whether you're driving kids to school, washing the dishes, catching up on somebody else's homework, finishing that work project or working in your yard. Why don't you take a moment right now, pause, scroll down and click the subscribe button. We want to make sure you don't miss a single conversation with us. Now it's time.
1: Get comfy. Here we go. Friends, we have such a treat this week. With Mother's Day coming up, Lisa Joe and I thought it would be the perfect time for her to read us a story. And not just any story, but a selection from her beautiful memoir, Surprised by Motherhood. I love this book. And I'm really excited to hear it in your
0: own voice, Lisa Joe, I'm biased, too, because of all my book babies, this is by far my favorite. It's called Surprised by Motherhood because I couldn't fit shocked, horrified, and overwhelmed by motherhood on the cover title. So I'm so thrilled to get to share a chapter with you the week before Mother's Day.
1: I think I love this book because not only is the writing gorgeous and the story compelling, but it's full of the oh the flavors and sounds and smells of a place that I may never see with my own eyes, but I have been there. I have been to South Africa because I have read this book. Listeners, if you've never read Surprised by Motherhood, I can't recommend it highly enough. We've made it really easy for you to click through and buy your own copy. Just look for the link in the show notes. And settle down, get comfy, maybe a cup of hot South African
0: tea, because here comes the story of my journey not just from South Africa to the States, but from a time in my life where I swore I would never have kids to ending up with three of the loudest children I know.
1: Quick break, listeners. We'd love to shine a spotlight on friends of the show who help make these conversations possible. This week we're so delighted to
0: partner with the folks at Fab Fit Fun because four times a year they deliver
1: joy in a box. Fab Fit Fun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion and lifestyle products. Lisa Joe, I opened the box during a visit from my mom and within 5 minutes we'd both decided to subscribe. You know, I had the exact same reaction because I actually called you to gush after I opened my box because
0: I was so in love with their cute little rose trinket tray that currently lives right next to my bed.
1: Lisa Joe, would you believe that my favorite item was actually the black and white gym bag? You know, I never stepped foot in a gym, but the bag was so cute and so practical and so foldable. I had a serious internal struggle with myself whether to keep it or give it to my teenage daughter who actually does go to the gym. Each box retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200.
0: My new discovery was the skin and nail care products, which I don't typically use, but I'm so in love with now that I have to hide them from my daughter. You guys, there are some really amazing brands in these boxes. And if you use our coupon code, Ordinary10, At fabfitfun.com, you can get 10 bucks off your first box.
1: Yep, Ordinary10 at fabfitfun.com for your own customizable box of joy.
0: Surprised by Motherhood. Everything I never expected about being a mom. Chapter 13. Jesus loves me this I know, for my children taught me so. My body bears testimony to the children it has borne. In the curve of my waist and the set of my hips, there is a love song that lisps the words of that old children's hymn, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. I stand naked as God and Peter see me before the full-length mirror we bought after I delivered Zoe, and I run my hands over the aches and dips and round curves of life that this body spells— It reflects memories and growth, and it is my living Ebenezer, the reminder that great love is always born from great sacrifice. Like a secret whispered between old friends, there is the scar that stitched Zoe into the world, a thin white finger of numbness running low across my abdomen. I enfold it with my hands, and it's a prayer— these two palms pressed down on the place where she entered the world, begging the God who gave her to me to keep her safe, to carry her now when I cannot. Isn't all motherhood this one great prayer that rises in a thousand different languages? Let them be loved and let them be safe. My fingers trail up to my belly button and it makes me smile how it winks at me from a tummy much fuller than it was when we started this journey eight years ago. Jackson filled that waist with the rich, nourishing acceptance that a skinny 18-year-old once lacked. He knit three countries together for us. We fell in love with the idea of him in Ukraine and raced daylight and schedules to sneak through a window of opportunity like two teenagers on a reckless summer night high on fireflies and expectation. Sex as an act of creation, of art, of life filled our thoughts and bed and intertwined the parts of us we didn't realize we'd still been living separate this righteous act of love that reminds human creatures that there is a miracle wrapped in the gift of pleasure, a miracle that points to a good gift giver outside ourselves, outside our control, outside our timelines, outside our attempts at manipulation or desperate demands. Galaxies must align and collide in the secret dark and all we can do is humble ourselves to be available to something much bigger than our comprehension. The sigh of letting go sounds like the echo of a God who created first and creates last and lingers over us with the tender, terrifying words, let there be. We had packed our hopes and our passion with us when we left Ukraine and planned to be in the States for Christmas before we settled back in South Africa, and it was on Christmas Eve morning in Moline, Illinois that I woke up at five and stepped gingerly over creaking floorboards and into the bathroom between the four upstairs bedrooms and took the test that sent me to my knees on the white bathroom mat. Clutching my belly, I put my forehead on the floor— bowed low at the wonder and the awe of what was happening inside of me that was so outside my control. I was nauseous at the thought. You can think you want something and then be terrified when it shows up in your bloodstream. Jackson Joe, my firstborn, my undoing, my remaking, my gift. I have gained pounds and gray hair since I gained you." The mirror is smudged with his prints and a hundred memories of him posing and flexing and laughing at his reflection. I saw him first as a small red onesie I ran out to buy a Target after I took that pregnancy test. It had green piping in the words, My First Christmas written across the chest. It was the gift and the news we gave His grandparents and great-grandparents and carried with us across Illinois and into Michigan and Wisconsin, surprising aunts and uncles each time it was unwrapped for Christmas. Christ with us as we shared the news of miracle and wonder. Jackson knit me into the fiber and DNA and story of the Baker family, and his face reflects his father— How much I love him for that, my son, my child transplanted from snowy shores and born under the jacarandas and into the bosom of South Africa. He laid me low. He built a bridge between my broken past and my new beginning. The woman who looks back at me from the mirror is someone I never expected to meet. There she is with her tired eyes and wrinkle lines and the soft brown spots of aging on her hands. Her hair hasn't been its own color since she turned 19. She prefers a shade of auburn colored into the mix. She is comfortable in her skin. I like her. I like the life she has lived, the stories she has written, the names she carries like so much dirt under her fingernails from digging into the roots of a family. She calls back easily to the warbled two-syllable song of Mama that rises from the backyard where the boys are upending the wheelbarrow dumping sand out of the sandbox, digging more holes where there once was grass. She can see them from the window that slides open beside the mirror, the one that Jackson broke with a baseball just months back, a sacred milestone in mothering boys. Where Jackson and Micah are, there goes Zoe also, wielding her own toy gun while carrying a baby doll tucked safely beneath the other arm. She puts her shoes on the wrong feet and won't quit calling Jackson Guy and repeating Micah's name over and over until he is fit to bust and she knows she has his full attention. Micah mutters beneath his breath because he knows I won't condone it. I hate this baby. Yet, he is the first one to reach her side anytime she falls down, scrapes a knee, or calls for help. Micah Peter, I was cut and I bled to bring you into this world more than any other. You have taught me what brave looks like. There are some scars in such private places that we don't even let our minds look too closely at them. This body bears witness to the naked truth that our children will hurt us. They will push and push as hard against us as the day we delivered them into the world. And my wrinkles, the creases in my forehead, they are from nights spent in a rocking chair or crouched next to the bottom bunk under the white Christmas lights strung above, praying.
1: For a way to make sense of his world. I hope you're enjoying hearing Lisa Joe's motherhood story in her own voice. I've read the book so many times, but hearing her share these stories is always so special. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and you can find Surprised by Motherhood, along with all of the gifts we'd give ourselves for Mother's Day if we could, in our one stop online shop. Just click this link in our show notes. It's outoftheordinarypodcast.com slash shop.
0: It's a really fun place to visit this week to treat yourself or the mom in your life to something that will delight, encourage, or bring her joy. Speaking of which, be sure and check out the new release from Rebecca Friedlander called Finding Beautiful. This is a book that will open your eyes in staggering ways to the kind of makeovers that really matter.
1: Lisa Jo, this book is so unique. First of all, it's a beautiful hardback book with something few books have, full color photography. And that's just right because this book is the creation of a photographer and filmmaker. Rebecca Friedlander knows her way around the world of fashion photography, and she's more acquainted than most of us with our culture's obsession with makeovers. This is actually a book of makeovers. There are even before and after photos. But this isn't like any reality makeover show I've ever seen. Here are stories of true transformation young woman after young woman from places all around the world shares her story with Rebecca and poses for photographs that represent their inner journey.
0: So don't miss this chance to identify your own personal battlegrounds, celebrate your uniqueness, and embrace God's definition of beautiful. You can find this brand new book by Rebecca Friedlander at RebeccaFriedlander.com, which you can just easily click through on our show notes.
1: Lisa Joe, I've already decided that I'm going to read this book with my teenage daughter, and I think that a lot of our listeners will want to do the same, because what I especially appreciate about Rebecca's book is that she doesn't tell women that physical beauty doesn't matter. Instead, she gives us a much wider and richer sense of what beauty is, She invites us to find beautiful, but to find it far outside the narrow definition our world offers. So, I hope our listeners won't miss this chance to pick up a copy of Rebecca's book in time for Mother's Day. We see
0: ourselves in our children better than in any mirror, and Micah is my warrior son with all the passion of his Viking ancestors beating through his veins and drumming like a headache in my temples. The temper I inherited from my father lives in the five-year-old, fast asleep in his superhero underoos on the bottom bunk, and I lay hands on him and pray for us both. I didn't know I was selfish until I had kids. I didn't know I was angry and quick to keep a list of wrongs done to me, of slight slights, of everything I felt entitled to and I was happy to demand." Peter has fought many a long-losing battle with me as pointless and exhausting as the rounds I have gone with Micah over whether he eats breakfast from the blue or the red bowl. But I believe God loves us too much to leave us flailing in our self-centered universes, so He delivers these tiny reflections of ourselves into our homes with earthquake effectiveness— the walls and the ground shift as we are forced to rearrange our sleep, our interests, our books, our date nights, our bathrooms, habits, our love, our food, and our blankets, our vacation plans, our entertainment choices, our interests, our bodies, our patience, and the grip on our sanity into unrecognizable new patterns. Micah, who arrived two days after Christmas, was the most memorable and hard won Christmas gift I've ever received. The nurses in that Michigan maternity ward watched over me with wide eyes as the snow fell outside, and they brought me ice packs made from hollowed-out newborn diapers. I was embarrassed at how hard my labor had been until Dr. Chavez arrived to visit me and my son, he with the swelling hematoma on the back of his head where the suction had worked to pull him free from my body. My doctor sat on the edge of the bed and told me how brave I'd been— And when friends from our home group arrived just moments later, he told them, too. And I tended my bloodied, victorious body and my boy. His fight continued when he was readmitted for jaundice, and then four weeks later when he was back in the hospital with a terrifying bout of RSV and inhibited breathing reminding me over and over, oh God, how I need you. I can't grasp a single breath on my own apart from this body you breathed life into, May I never be free of the umbilical cord that anchors me childlike to your side because I am terrified to do this life alone. I see in Micah how God loves me, how He gave up heaven and Himself for me, how He spread His arms wide to ridicule and suffering, to gosps and agony, and wanting it to be over and wanting to be released from this calling that cost Him so much, this salvation, this redemption, this act of bearing children of the new covenant from His body through the mighty act of adoption and delivery on a cross." I kneel beside my sleeping son, and I would do it all over again. The uncertainty, the battles to understand him, the temper and the challenge, the brokenness and the stubbornness and the desperate ache that requires me to step into his world and pour myself out as a love offering, freely given with no expectation of payback, a gift. I lay myself down for my son who is learning to love because I first loved him. And His love has come back like an avalanche, a tornado, 10,000 times anything I have been hurt, I have been healed because of this boy who taught me what it looks like to see redemption in the reflection of great sacrifice. Every night I tuck him in, and I pray with him and his brother, and I bring the last glass of water, and I adjust the music, and I fix the blankets, and I find the missing lovey, and I answer just one more question— Until inevitably I say, "'Mom is done, boys. I am just done now. No one gets out again, understand?' And they nod and they watch me with big eyes, and then they come padding out of their room just minutes later, nonetheless, with tentative faces and bare chests, and they whisper, "'We just want to hug you again.' Some nights I sigh. Some nights I rant. Some nights I'm already in bed and too tired to do more than just open my arms." Those nights are the best, because the boys clamber between the covers and my limbs, and we pretzel one more time, outlined by the dying day, like we did when they were so much smaller, and then they slip away back to bed, bending first to kiss me on the forehead. Keep coming, I want to tell them, and I will keep opening my arms, and we will keep teaching each other what it looks like to give up the pieces of ourselves we thought we needed in order to make room for someone else. Because when we least expect or want it, God is always pouring more of His own life into our lives, and we need to open both arms wide if we want to even begin to try to hold it all. Zoe Grace, you are the exclamation point, the bookend, the bracket, the bright rim of the sun rising over my mothering discovery. I give you my story, Zoe, and this legacy of womanhood, beloved, womanhood celebrated, womanhood redeemed, daughter of mine, daily grace, where I began lost, I end found in the small palm of her hand, where I was broken and cracked open, I am healed and pieced together, Discovering my reflection as both mother and daughter in her eyes. Where I was hurt, I am whole, watching her watch me. And knowing we will write a new story of womanhood together, it will be good, and it will begin again and again and again each morning when I walk into her room, and she throws her arms wide open to me and the day and her family and the 15 stuffed animals in her bed, and she lifts, I love you so much, Mama." This face that watches me from the mirror knows what faith feels like beneath her feet, the substance of things unseen. I read it with my fingers, braille, written in the lives of my children, how they teach me to pray, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. They teach me to pray, they teach me grace, they teach me again and again with each new morning and each preschool appointment and each temper tantrum, and when we take off the training wheels as we see a hundred days unfold on Joplin Street, behind the white walls of the rental house I never wanted, this life that is now so much more than my own, teach us to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, on earth As it is in heaven. The tulips we planted our first fall in this house five years ago keep coming up each spring, though I've done nothing to help them, nothing to feed them, nothing to invite them. They are always there anyway, nodding pink, red, yellow heads at the glory that arrives like so much daily bread, undeserved and beautiful each spring. And like his children so many centuries before, I wake up and I ask, Father, what is it? because i can't believe all this manna he leaves for me to gather by the basketful. Zoe wraps her arms around me as i wrap a bath towel around her, her giggles as fresh and enchanting as her curls. Micah cups crushed dandelions in his pocket to deliver to me along with all the mud in the neighborhood that has arrived with his sneakers. And Jackson dances and dances and dances like a mother I once knew who ran out undercover from a rainstorm and danced on a wild Karoo farm garden until her children couldn't resist and ran out into the joy with her, heads tilted back and mouths open to the wonder. She may be buried in the big felt flucta behind that garden now in South Africa, but we have none of us forgotten how to dance. Again, says Zoe, again, and it's her anthem of delight, it's the refrain that comes back over and over as we spin in the living room, as we ride scooters around the block, as Pete wrestles her or kisses her or gives her pony rides on the bed. Again, and indeed, again, the sun rises and my hips widen, and I have carried babies three times in the long dance of motherhood, and made peanut butter sandwiches, and nursed colds, and soothed fevers, and walked miles of carpet, and climbed into bed each night beside the boy from Michigan with the cowboy eyes who started it all. Lying next to him, holding his hand tucked into the curve of his thigh, I am home no matter what country I am in. This love that cracks the lock on zip codes and time zones. This love that always scoots over when children arrive with wide eyes and bad dreams. And I whisper it for all of us, deliver us from evil. Because who knew when we knelt down together in the snow on the campus of Notre Dame, the night he asked me to marry him, that we would live so much brave between then and now. I count years and bruises and late-night conversations in the desperate hours when children are finally asleep, and we're almost too tired to remember what it is we're talking about. Some days we wonder if we'll make it. Nothing can hurt as much as the fears we carry for our children." But we stand guard around their hearts and link arms around their stories and pray courage into the dark and the daylight and the school decisions and the friends we know will influence them, stretch them, and mark them with their own choices. And we keep showing up at the dinner table, at soccer matches, at baseball practices, at parent-teacher conferences, and at their bedsides. We show up and we load the laundry and the words that need to be said again and again. And while many mornings I'm tempted to hide away from being a grown-up, I can hear the shower running and I know Pete is awake and already facing the day for us. He'll see us through another one. When the bills are rising and the lions are roaring, he will carry us on his shoulders and make up the lilting nonsense songs that make us laugh as he fights away safely home for us. I don't know who these children will grow up to be but I know that they have grown me up and dragged me out of myself. I have the scars to prove it. Peter told me once that God gave him a choice. What feels like several lifetimes ago, God gave him a choice to stay or to walk away from the girl who was rambling on, homesick about her broken heart, buried alongside her mother in the red South African dirt." We were both just 21, baby grown-ups and walking the fine line of throwing our everything in together when I laid out all my baggage on the bare floor of that tiny apartment in downtown D.C. that I shared with two girlfriends. God told him it would be okay to walk away, but that if he chose to stay, it would be a forever choice, a choice that meant he'd be the one to give and give and give until this girl was full up and healed in all her aching broken places. A love gift he gave me himself, his presence, his patience, and now his children. He trusted them to the woman who wasn't sure she'd ever be ready to want them. I needed a place to hide away, and he opened his arms and his life. He stayed. Like my mother, I married a Peter, and he has been my rock. On Friday nights, we all stay in. We have pizza and a movie and three kids scrunched onto a single couch cushion because this is how they like it, except for whoever ends up in the middle. We are a family that never gets tired of a good story. By Friday night, I don't care what state the laundry is in, and everyone eats off paper plates. I care about slowing down, doing less, being present more. Zoe doesn't care what we're watching, only that she's as close to her brothers as she can get. Micah has strong feelings about the kind of sauce and cheese and brand of pizza Jackson will eat just about any slice you hand him. Pete and I settle in alongside them, and sometimes we watch computer screens instead because we cannot take another round of Kung Fu Panda. But many nights we just watch them, this crew of ours. We watch how much Micah looks like my brother Luke and catch each other's eyes over their heads and grin at something we know Luke would have said just exactly like that. We try not to laugh as we listen to Jackson wax philosophical at some ordinary question Mike has asked or shake and shimmy his tiny hiney in perfect imitation of how my brother Josh would do it. And We make sure to keep our arms open because Zoe will get bored of the movie and toddle over to check in and get a bear hug from time to time. Someone will inevitably place a slice of pizza sauced down on the ottoman and I will shriek and sigh and a reluctant chorus of sorry mom will rise from the faces that aren't looking my way at all. At some point they'll get tired of the movie and they'll troop out to the backyard to see if their favorite neighbor kid Eric is around. They might hang on the fence and yell in the direction of his house even though we've told them a hundred times not to. And if Eric comes out, there will be epic battles of the imagination and complex roles and weaponry and shrieks and fights and making up and starting over as Zoe wobbles her way between them all on Muppet-like legs, totally at home in this band of brothers. I've long since given up trying to tame the backyard. The most we hope for is that all the toys are returned to the big galvanized plastic tub before everyone turns in for the night. But... The apocalypse of holes dug by eager builders or military officers or pirate captains, those I have made my peace with. And when I catch my reflection through the sliding glass door as I stand surveying my kids at home in this landscape of their creation, I raise an eyebrow at myself and mutter, hard to believe, isn't it? The glory of motherhood camouflaged in so much chaos. Later at night when I want to soak in the bathtub, it will be full of a riot of toys and there will be two pairs of muddy jeans, underpants, sneakers, and the worst smelling socks in the world, discarded alongside it no matter how many times I've pointed like a lunatic at the laundry basket. I will hear boys laughing between bunk beds and I won't have the heart to yell about it. And instead, I'll walk down the hallway to check on the baby girl who wants her brothers to come and say goodnight, and they will. They always stop what they're doing to clump down the hall to her bedroom and dangle themselves over the edge of her crib to kiss her expectant face. She accepts this as her birthright. Peter will navigate the boy's toothbrushes and bright blue toothpaste that leaves trails all over the sink and will try not to snap when what should be a simple routine derails into a spitting contest. Somehow, they eventually end up in their beds until we open their favorite Bible storybook and the one on the top bunk has to come down for a better look and the one on the bottom bunk has to rearrange himself closer to the pictures, and I have to take a deep swig of oxygen and remind myself that one day, theoretically, I will miss this. And after we've read and someone has prayed and I've reminded someone else that a list of all the things you think your friends have done wrong— isn't quite what I had in mind when asking for prayer requests. It suddenly occurs to them that they're exhausted. One barely has the will or the strength to make it back up the bunk bed ladder, and the other can hardly find the strength to pull up his duvet. I hold onto my temper with both hands, and we make it through. But as I'm turning out the light and ready to turn the corner, sometimes one of them says, tell me about you and dad again, mom. And they know they've got me. Two blonde heads with summer buzz cuts turn expectantly on their pillows as I pause in the doorframe, outlined by the light. This is their favorite story, because they know it's my favorite too. Peter has already settled in on the sofa, and I'm so close to being there with him, so close to curling up with the yellow blanket, a generous helping of chocolate, and my own movie night. But someone has propped his chin on his hand, and someone else has a slow grin growing. So I lean toward them, and I whisper, Let me tell you the one about how I didn't think I wanted to be a mom. And they squeal and sit up in bed with happy sighs and eager faces because they already know from the inside out and all the way down to their belly buttons how that story ends. So happy nearly Mother's Day, friends. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and leaning into my story. If there's a mom in your life that you can think of who would enjoy this book, honestly, I think it's a fantastic Mother's Day gift. I am biased, though. And if you want me to read it for them, I would be happy to do so. You can also pick up the audio version of Surprised by Motherhood as read by me in my pseudo South African accent. And I think, I hope and I pray that this book is a reminder to you and your people that motherhood is, in fact, a superpower and that you are mighty because you mother.